Hey, everyone. It's Jeff. Thanks for joining me on the Enrealment Hour podcast. Today, I share a really genuine and heartfelt dialogue that I had with Counselor Gabrielle Strauss, an old friend and a true man of the heart. Gavi had connected with me some time before to express his concerns about the current emotional and mental condition of youth. He was very concerned about them and wondering what we can do to support them and to inspire them to bring their energy and their offerings into the world. I just watched a pretty powerful film called The Sun on Prime, and I was already swirling with thoughts and feelings about this. Like, how can we reach out as parents or mentors to those young people who are currently overwhelmed by the weight of the world and not realizing how bloody essential they are for all of us going forward? If ever there was a time we need their energy and vision, and progressive and inclusive consciousness it's right now, given that it's entirely clear that the old ways of being will no longer serve us and will no longer hold us safe on this beautiful planet. We need new visions of possibility and new energy to propel us forward. We need the kids. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Gavi. Gabrielle Strauss is a spiritual counselor and relationship coach who guides his clients in a somatic-oriented process of healing and integration. This work supports clients discovering and actualizing a more empowered life vision and sacred purpose. Gavi works with his clients on meeting personal and ancestral traumas, woundings, and daily challenges of life and relationship as sacred opportunities for healing and growth. You can find out more about him and book a a free 30-minute intro call on his website, GavrielleStrauss.com. That's G-A-V-R-I-E-L-S-T-R-A-U-S-S.com. GavrielleStrauss.com. Before I share this gem of a conversation with you, let me give you a dose of another man of the heart, the exquisite Trevor Hall, with an excerpt from his brilliant song, Arrows. I recommend all of Trevor's music to you. It's like an auditory kaleidoscope of feeling, healing, and transformation. This journey's got me bleeding in a certain kind of feeling. But I can never leave it. Good God, I know I need it. Arrows come straight for my heart. Hey, Gabby. Hey, Josh. It's good to be with you as always. You brought something to my attention this week, and I thought it would be a really good thing to talk about. So maybe sort of share with the listeners well, what was up for you. Yeah, yeah. I um, called you up the other day, and uh, it was shortly following a session I had with a client who was sharing with me some of her challenges around her teenage daughter her daughter just just turned 13 and she was noticing some really concerning signs and um of depression and and you know not wanting to get out of bed and and uh, a number of things that were concerning for her and i was supporting her in that session to to seek out help and 
what it brought to mind was a was um, a podcast that Shana had sent my, my wife had sent my way about um, the teen mental health crisis. So I was talking with you about it, and I was really feeling just emotional about just feeling really concerned for for the teens and especially the teen girls. I have two girls, uh, four and seven, and as we do, thinking into the future and 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 trying to to find ways to brainstorm and heartstorm together what we can do. How can we? Be of support. How can we understand more what's going on? And um, your piece around rebraving and bringing in a way to empower um, the youth was exciting and inspiring. And I think that that uh, that 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 moved us to to jump on here together and explore the topic. Yeah, you. We'll get to that shortly. You you read to me. Um, maybe just read the uh, some of the information that you found subsequent to our conversation that sort of supported this concern. Yeah, sure. So here's some some facts I found um, researching the teen mental health crisis. In the fall of 2021, the American Academy of Pediatrics, along with the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry and the Children's Hospital Association, declared a national emergency in child and adolescent mental health. That's one of the quotes. Another, a survey by the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, published in February 2023, found that in 2021, 57% of high school girls reported experiencing persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness in the past year. And that's up from 36% in 2011. What's worse is that 30% of the girls surveyed reported seriously considering suicide and 13% attempted suicide one or more times in 2021. Wow. What, one more, last, last one. So, so thankfully, so, someone started paying attention. And in May 23rd of this year, there's a, now a Surgeon General's warning on the negative impact of social media that it is having on the mental health of young people. So it's like, you know, like they have on the pack of cigarettes, Surgeon General's warning. Now it's on social media. Got it. So that's one of the fact, one of the contributing factors. I mean, I've just watched this very brilliant and difficult to watch film. I know you watched it as well called The Sun on Prime. In this case, it was a, I think he was a 16 or 17 year old boy. 17, I think yeah. 17. Yeah. With Hugh Jackman and Laura Dern. And it's very, very well acted out, very well performed and, and very hard to watch about his struggle. So before we get into sort of what's going on here and what can we do about it? Um, let me just read a quote from my new book, Manifestations that reflected my prior lens on these things based on my childhood, based on the childhoods of many people I do sessions with, and certainly, of course, that you do as well. And and now my understanding is broadening and deepening because I think it's far more than just about this. But let me just read this. Um, this is from page 79 of Humanifestations on Trauma, Truth, and Transformation. I think of the children often, those who are trapped in terribly challenging circumstances, and how important it is to notice them to empower them, 
to listen to them. I think of how little love it can take to inspire them to believe in life again when nothing in their immediate environment nourishes them. But they have just a little bit of light to warm them that can go on and overcome their circumstances. May we be the light for those young people who need it until they can claim it as their own. A little attention, a moment of attunement, a simple compliment can save a life. It only takes a little to change everything, close quote. And, you know, thinking about sort of my childhood, I mean, I had blessedly wonderful grandparents who counterbalanced the sort of savagery of my childhood experience with this extremely benevolent and loving dynamic. You know, I was sort of elevated by them and then diminished at home. And my life's work has been to find a way to live somewhere in the middle. But they made all the difference in the world. And, you know, seeing the film The Sun, thinking of how much attunement from dad, uh, assuming that was a it was sort of presented as the primary or a primary issue. And it's probably more complicated than that. Uh, there's a lot of factors involved, but certainly would have and could have made a meaningful difference. Um, so forever, I was sort of carrying the idea that mostly the primary problem for young people who don't want to be here is that they've never been given enough love, enough validation, enough attunement to realize that they have value and worth and that, you know, and that there are, positive relationships possible that would nourish them and elevate them and keep them going through the hardships of life. Now I feel as though that's um, certainly true, but I feel like, you know, at the end of a, of a mortifying pandemic where many of them were locked inside of spaces at a time in their lives when they were really wanting to move about and explore life and have adventures and then finding their way into a climate change world that for many makes them feel like we don't have a lot to look forward to and not just young people. I feel as though now there's a whole lot more on top of them and nobody is really showing up really in a leadership position culturally, collectively, I think, other than some young people, I think, um, to really help them to realize how important they are for all of us at this stage. So, and I have many thoughts about that, but, you know, I mean, do you agree with me that it's now much more complicated than it already was for young people to find their optimism? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's an insanely different world that we live in uh, now with with smartphones and, and with social media in particular. And that's something we'll, we'll get into deeper tonight. It's hard for us, you know. We had a podcast a, a, a little while ago where we talked. We, the whole the whole theme was the hopelessness and being with the hopelessness mm-hmm. of, of this moment in time. And of course, the youth are are feeling that and seeing that more than ever. And of course, prices have gone up, and housing prices, and all the rest of that, in many parts of the world as well, which makes them feel like. The simple dream of being homeowners one day in their lives is not even attainable. And even the idea of moving out and renting an apartment seems utterly impossible at two to three grand a month, all the rest of that. So I totally get it. And, and I think so where I went with it in our conversation and subsequently was feeling as though it felt sort of horribly preposterous because my view is that there really are our only hope. I mean, you could always sort of say that, I suppose, you know, going through time. But I think particularly now, because I think that 
it's very clear that the world that I was conditioned in, the way of being that I was conditioned to, survivalist, primarily patriarchal, but not only patriarchal consciousness, served a purpose. It, it built civilizations. It created rule of law. It built railroads. It did all kinds of things. We should never forget we stand on the shoulders of that consciousness. But it's also clear that that sort of opportunistic consciousness is now making it impossible for us as a species to live properly and healthily and safely on this planet. We're creating, we have created all kinds of trouble and it looks like a whole lot more is coming. So a shift in consciousness is obviously required. And I feel as though people from my generation and perhaps your generation, even those of us with the best of intentions who can have a conversation like this, which is something, are still conditioned in a certain system and a certain way of understanding and framing reality. And I do encounter a lot of young people now who seem to have somehow, much to my surprise, because I thought it was just going to get more materialistic, um, seem to have actually evolved the species in terms of moving in a, a more inclusive direction a more sort of gender fluid direction, uh, a more accepting of other direct direction and really see through the old white man, patriarchal dude in a way that we never did because we were part of him more obviously. So I feel as though it's sort of ironic that they're, they're feeling sort of like they don't want to be here when I feel as though they have so much to do here now to rebrave themselves after so many of us have been unbraved in these systems, to empower themselves, to take the bull by the horns, to take the climate by the horns, and to craft the world of divine possibility that I believe humanity is capable of. And the question for me is how to help them to realize that they have something to live for. I think the term that came to me when we were talking was how to help them to get some contributory confidence, contributory confidence, recognizing that they have so much to contribute and to believe in that and to just get to it and to take all that energy that's going in very negative sort of self-harming directions and bring it out into the world to affect the kind of changes that we desperately, desperately need. And we desperately need them to do that. I mean, I know your kids are, are quite a bit younger, but how do we do that? How do we, we obviously can't do all of that, but how do we help them to understand that they really do have something beautiful to live for? I'll speak directly to that. But I think before we do, we need to more directly address the challenges <laughs> that they're faced and how and why they're, they're in that circumstance, right? Because it's one thing to say like, Come on, guys, do it. You know, you know, take the bull by the horns. You've got so much to offer. We need you. But they need us. They really need us. And they need our parent, uh, their parents. They need their parents to show up for them to help make space for what they're feeling. And I think that the big one of the big takeaways I got from the son, the movie, was that you know, dad was so focused on being a high, you know, top executive and, you know, on his career as, as parents are to, you know, that survival, that survival meme. 
And he just wanted his kid to be okay, right? And so, you know, he he didn't make space for curiosity, for exploration of what he was actually feeling. He, you know, he wanted to make it about that the kid didn't, you know, broke up with a girl and that it was, you know, and so the kid actually saw that and he played along with it. And he was like, oh yeah, I broke up with a girl, but there was no girl. He was moving through really scary feelings that he did not know what the fuck was going on. He couldn't make sense of it. They were overwhelming him. And there was no one there to sit with him to say, wow, look what you're going through. Tell me about it. Tell me what you're feeling. Instead of trying to fix the problem or make it go away, I think parents and adults, when we turn towards our children and kids, we want to turn towards them in a way that helps them normalize feelings and emotion, that gives them safe space to explore what they're feeling and to be, to be held in that. And because I think parents are scared and also they weren't parented well, and their parents weren't parented well. There's like this is also an expression of the collective trauma coming through. That that if you're not resourced, how can you be a resource for your kids? You have to. You got you got to figure out how to show up. But I think that's sort of the first step is really finding ways to normalize emotions and to have conversations that are that are open ended, that are that are curious, that aren't problem solving so that 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 kids yeah. can be mm-hmm. can be caught, can feel safer with what they're going through inside just learning how to listen to people is just seems like such a complicated thing in this seems seems like a deliberately overwhelming world so we'll get to that that even if somebody an adult was attuned to they're also now in a world that's flooding, overwhelming, overpriced, all of those things, and in a state of sort of persistent agitation. And it's difficult for anybody, parent or otherwise, in a state of agitation to really listen to anybody. I mean, it's um, so there's a lot going on. But I, I think this this question of the, I mean, human beings have been here for thousands of years, and in my lifetime, I have encountered very few good listeners. I think that's the hugest part of the problem. You know, when somebody has an experience of a good listener, you're a very good listener. Uh, it can change their whole life. Um, even just one memory of a wonderfully attuned human being in a sea of distracted people can carry you forward for a long, long time. And in that film, and in that case, he learned how to be a listener, I think, too late. And of course, in the scene with Anthony Hopkins, who was utterly brilliant as a symbol of this unconscious way of being. I mean, I I haven't seen him that good in forever. It was easy to understand that he, you know, the son was the son, Anthony's son, uh, Hugh Jackman was was a better listener than he was Hopkins, but nowhere near good enough to confront and help in the situation that he was in with his son. So what's apart from 
us not having learned how to authentically relate and to listen to one another, which I think is one of the growing edges for the for the um, species. Um, what else is in the way? I mean, I you know I have a lot to say about this, but what what else is in the way? What do you, I mean? Social media piece. T- yeah. Tell us more about your view about that. Sure. So there's an interesting podcast by Ezra Klein in the New York Times that talks about um, the teen mental health crisis and and the impact of social media on that. And um, it's pretty big. It, it's pretty big because well, one of the things I wanted to say was that kids are peer oriented, so they're looking towards their peers for guidance and mentorship when when they need to be looking towards adults and older mentors for that that kind of guidance and um when they're looking towards their peers they're 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 pedestaling them they're idealizing them and then they're caught in this whole web of 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 social perspectives on 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 how they look how they dress, what they say, how they show up, not just in the in the real world, but in the in in the virtual world. And so I think that that because of the intensity of peer orientation and then its pull towards the virtual world of social media, mm-hmm. insta branding, etc. So much focus, an over exaggerated yeah. focus yeah. goes there, yeah. and then. And then a, a like or a comment on a picture or something is no longer just, oh, you know, no big deal. Someone made a comment and then it's gone. It's now like, it's like written it's like, in. It's like a tattoo. It's a tattoo and it's cataclysmic. And so we never had to face that shit. You know, if someone called you an idiot, it was gone, you know. And then Eventually. You back to, you know, norm, yeah. But now it's like branded you're you're branded so the the intensity of that and a lot of the the studies that are out there are saying that kids aren't hanging out as much in person they're on their phones they're on their devices i think adults too absolutely and adults as well you just have to stand in a lineup more than half of the people are looking at these devices so so it feels like the sort of evolution of the species is at war with a uh, manipulative, unconscionable consciousness that's designed to, as it has always to some extent been doing, to overstimulate, overwhelm, overcome, uh, shame, shun, uh, diminish, prevent the sovereignty of, the individuation of humans. Um, because if you're sovereign and individuated, grounded and centered, clear as to who you are and why you're here, or as that unfolds before you and within you, you are less likely to get hooked by social media, by religious leaders, by mismanaged um, orders, uh, all of it. I mean, all of the nonsense. Um, so it's it's so we're back to the issue of sort of power brokers, powers that be that see humans as something they can shuffle around and manipulate for their own benefit. And that's really particularly intensified now because of the advent of social media and of course, technology. And listen, we all know studies were done to figure out exactly how to hook the human brain onto these devices. 
whoever didn't want to be part of that quit and ended up making a Netflix film about the horrors of it. But it continues and it continues to get more and more effective. Before we, you know, let's just leave AI aside for the moment. That's a whole other horror that terrifies me. But so it feels to me as though we have to get not only rebraved, because it's very clear to me that most of humanity is terrified of the powers that be, but we also have to get, you know, undistracted. And the question is, how do we do that? I mean, it feels like they've got us by the smartphones. <laughs> they've got us by the smartphones. I want I want to look at that question, but I want to really impress upon people how messed up this is. Um, here's here's another quote um, illuminating the intensity of the situation we're in. Quote, when social media platforms worked out how to monetize attention, they went for it with a ruthlessness for which kids are the collateral damage. And another one, no one wakes up thinking they want to maximize the number of times they open Instagram that day. But that's exactly what our product team, our product teams are trying to do. This is a, a meta employee, the people who own Facebook and Instagram, um, wrote in 2021. Is there a person named? Not on that quote. Well, so it's clear that the purpose of those systems is to maximize profit. And the best way in all of these capitalistic systems to maximize profit is to find a way to get your attention and sustain your attention. I mean, that's what billboards were for. That's what commercials were for. I mean, it's all kind of the same thing. Social media is more powerful for a variety of reasons. And these so-called smartphones, there's nothing smart about them. It's just diversionary cliche, uh, smart city, smartphones. It's it, so that people feel like if they don't engage in it, they're not smart. I mean, that's that's the whole design of the language. So these these things exist in a much more powerful way. And when you add in the algorithmic tendency to polarize consciousness, so you're either left or you're right, or you're up or you're down, or you're, you know, you're pro-tranny, transgender, or anti, or whatever it is. I mean, it's because there's all kinds of marketing streams associated with polarities that are very effective. And then you end up with the whole situation that happened in the U.S. during Trump time when, you know, everybody hated everybody else. And conservatives and liberals acted like they were all different species without realizing they actually had a whole lot of humanness in common at the same time. And that's what's happened now. And I get it. So we're polarized. We're distracted. We're addicted to a device that has a number of different levels and aspects to it to hook you. Is designed um, is designed designed by somebody who's people who study the neurophysiology and psychology of humanity and knows exactly what you do. So they they really are essentially our enemy. They're the enemy of of human evolution. Let's just own it. This consciousness, this abuse of power consciousness, which exists within families, within all kinds of systems, that looks at other members of your species as props to maneuver is an abuse of power consciousness and humanity has to rise and see through what's happening. So seeing through it is difficult when you're so busy being hooked into the devices. Um, and then we have to then empower ourselves to find ways to craft other more grounded, integrated, humane 
models for human interface. Some of them based on what existed before, because I think it was a whole lot healthier than this is in many ways. And so the question is, who's going to do that? The adults aren't apparently going to do it. The young people, it's a bit concerning because a lot of them seem much more comfortable on those devices that could certainly maneuver more effectively than I ever been, could. So who's going to step in as the symbols or the voice of a way of being that is more humane, more connective, less manipulative, and that reminds the young people of how bloody significant they are if the species is ever going to survive? thrive going forward Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, i think the who i think the who matters like i think that yeah. leadership still matters and i agree i agree yeah. when, when i look around that's 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 why i'm so devastated because i don't see it i don't see <laughs> the leadership stepping up i don't see the mentorship the guidance that these young people so desperately need mm-hmm. and i think that's why we're here we're here to talk about that and see you know what roles can we play and how can we inspire others to to step up into that and and it's not just up to the kids it's up it is up to us it is up to adults living now who have experience to to find ways to to show up for these kids and especially parents like we can't we can't belittle and say yes i know we know how important survival is we know how a top priority if you don't have food and a home to live in you can't really attune to any you can't attune to anybody attune to anybody so yes and when you do have that you've got to show up for your kids you've got to find the ways and 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 they need help too right i think that's so important parents need help they need resources they need resourcing. If you're super stressed out, of course it's going to be impacting your children too. And if you don't have, if you didn't get the mentorship to turn towards the world as a place of connectivity and turn towards the earth as an ally rather than as a thing to be conquered, how are you going to give that to your kids? It, there's a conundrum here, right? I mean, I want to put this out for listeners that you know to feel free to email me. And if you want you as well, just I'll put the email addresses in the show notes with their thoughts on just sort of distill the question, but on how older people, parents or otherwise can find a way to attune to and empower young people particularly during this very confusing, distracting, and kind of rudderless time in our world? I mean, I, I don't have a simple answer to this question. It's easy for me to um, paint a vision of possibility in my own consciousness for what a healthy, whole human could look like, feel like, move like, how they might operate in their lives and the world. But my challenge is always how to get us from where we are to that vision of possibility in the world that we live in. We need to have conversations about this and because they're, we're all part of this. I mean, literally all part of this. And you're right to bring it back to the role of the, of the elders because that's obviously a part of it. It's not enough for me to just say that 
these young people, we need them. And they just need to realize and get rebraved and just get out there and, and fight for the world that we are too tired, too distracted, or too malconditioned to fight for. But of course, what's our role in all of that? What's my role in all of that? I, I have a stepdaughter. I don't have biological children, but I have a large following of younger people. And in what ways can I make a difference to bring them back to the belief and the faith in themselves and their possibilities, and now the possibilities for the world they live in. See, when I grew up, I had to overcome my environment. That was extraordinarily difficult. It was as alarming as the sound of that alarm passing by. And that was all, it took all that I had to do that. But I felt like it was sort of a, there was a, on the other side of that, if I could just survive that, if I could just get through that, there was this whole amazing world to explore, unlimited, deepen into, become something. And that's different now for them. I think there is a lot to look forward to, but I, you know, and we, we're just coming out of a, of a horrifying pandemic experience. I mean, however anybody feels about what it was or a pandemic or all of those things, this was a horrifying experience for most people. And with a lot of death in the ethos, which is obviously a back to us. There, there are a lot of pieces to this puzzle. Your attunement is an incredibly important part of that. Yeah, and I think we need to, we need to, like I said, learn attunement because most of us didn't get that experience. Yeah, we need to turn towards our own healing with veracity. I would say, and to look at the ways that we're addicted to screens and to to social media and to and to say that it's it's crucial it's not it's not oh no big deal yeah like you can't wait anymore there's no there's no there's no waiting anymore yeah there's there's no there's no waiting anymore and and, and when we when we turn towards our own healing that sends a message to younger generations be it our kids or just younger gens that that is that that's essential that we take that seriously and that that there is hope and of course the great irony of this culture is western culture in particular is that we've been sold this kind of bill of goods that and it seems to be getting even more intense as in toronto a number of times in the last few weeks and it's just big giant overpriced vehicles and just sort of power energy cars i mean it's just like you know, there, there's a lot of egoic energy floating around more than I've ever seen before, which sort of surprises me after a pandemic. I thought maybe more of us would drop into our hearts. And the irony of all of it is that we've been sold that bill of goods because it made the people in economically who are in control of things more money to convince us that this is what mattered in this life. This is what matters in this life. Uh, and we're not talking about survival. We're talking about people going far beyond survival, continue and it never ends. It goes on forever. Um, and the reality is, my belief is, the things that ultimately matter to us at the end of our lives, in the middle of our lives, throughout our lives, are the finding of our truest, deepest path and purpose, whatever that is, what I call sacred purpose, you can call it what you want. And those moments of deep, real, meaningful, and genuine connectiveness and attunement between ourselves and other people. I mean, that's the thing that warms the cockles of our heart, because to say, and that leaves us in a in a feeling hopeful again and and validated and 
like life has meaning. Even a few moments like that can make all the difference and get you through all kinds of hardship and overwhelm. So for us to slow the other thing down where possible and find our way to connect to ourselves and to each other. I mean, it feels to me that's the the only path that will save the species, but it's the it's the most fertile place to land anyway, because the rest of this thing, it just isn't working. It just isn't working. I mean, structurally building civilizations, all those things, fine. But the excesses of this, we all really know they're just, it's not working. Yeah. Well, now we're, now we are experiencing the cost, right? This is, this is the thing we, in the name of progress, we, we, you know, we did so much in the name of survival. We did so much and we didn't think about the cost. We didn't think about the cost of disconnecting from the earth and seeing it as a commodity of relating to it as a, as a beast to tame for our own survival, pleasure and enjoyment. We didn't think of the cost of becoming atomic families, nu- nuclear families, separated from the village, separated from mentors and elders. We just thought, oh, every man for himself will make it happen. We'll, we'll figure out a way to do it. Now we are, we are facing the cost, all of the deficit of connection to ourselves, to, to each other, to the village, to the earth. We're paying that bill, all that we took out on credit. It's destroying us, and we need to to turn and recenter ourselves and reorient ourselves towards getting back on track to getting back on a path of 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 connectivity and I can't express how much I feel the lack of the village is is a huge part of this like uh, we're just so separated and isolated and and insular. And there's no one watching. There's no one tracking these kids. You know, there's the parents aren't doing it. And and then no one else is like in a in a village setting. People were. Somebody's always aware. Somebody's always. Someone's always tracking what's going on. They're invested in the children. Right. And they know that they need them later to take care of them. But there's a collective investment happening. And that. That's all but disappeared. And now you have these kids who are going so far off the path that they're going to school with guns and killing their peers. It's, it's, it's insane that we're not, there's no one tracking that better. There was so much, uh, so much of an emphasis on self-determination for so long in the West, and breaking away from these imprisoning structures because sometimes the shtetl is very imprisoning, of course. And that we've, we have gone so bloody far. And then our version of connectiveness shows up as a construct called social media that's actually designed to disorient us, overwhelm us, disconnect us from ourselves, and therefore make it impossible for us to connect in any real way to another human. You know, it's some some substitute version of connectiveness that actually is ensuring the demise, really, on many levels of the species. And as you were talking about purpose and meaning, like, I was telling you about this before that like for all the bad that religion has caused for all of the killing and the deaths and the hypocrisy, it held a scaffolding of meaning and purpose. It gave immunity. It gave village. It gave purpose and meaning to people. As we've evolved into modern society, we've thrown all of that out. You know, in the mo- in the most for the most part, 
we've seen through the bullshit of it, but what what, what have we replaced it with? Well, the yeah. shopping the shopping mall temple, which the is now an on, online shopping mall temple. Absolutely right. So we, so it's time for we've talked about this before personally for a new religion, not called a religion, new models, new frameworks, new visions of possibility for humanity that are not about looking up to unseen God, perhaps, and that has something to do with the honoring of this magnificent, brilliant species without forgetting as part of it, the essential nature of human connectiveness and relationship. And so I think, I think that's, those are the models that we need. Those are the new religions that we need. And I don't know that they're being crafted. I mean, you know, there's a, there is a lot of movement in the direction of, seems like there's two things happening at one time. There's a lot of movement in the direction of like the recognition of the unresolved trauma that we carry from our individual experience and our ancestry, which is wonderful. And then there's this movement towards artificial intelligence at the same time. So the, the, the war continues between becoming more human and becoming less human. And that's what we're talking about. You know, this kind of unconscionable capitalism survivalist structure is inhumane when it comes down to it. And the movement towards a more authentic, conscionable version of capitalism where you understand that you have a responsibility to other humans, that it's not all about you and your great economic victory. You know, we are crossing that bridge and crossing it slowly. Whether we're going to get there in time is a whole other question. And technology does seem to be playing a role in that. I used to feel like, like I agreed with Carl Jung that we were going to make it like by the, just by the, just barely make it. And then this technology thing came along. And I, now I, and I, I, it's so hard for me to say this because I, I've just had so much love for and faith in humanity for so long, but now I'm not sure because I think that they have found a way to fuck with the human psyche on such a deeply significant level that people will go through their whole lives entirely distracted, not having any idea of what they're missing and not able to make the kind of impact that they were born to make in this lifetime. And it's very clear that we need everybody's boots on the ground in order to affect the kind of change that will allow us to become what we were meant to become in this world. And we are up against it because this technology and surveillance oriented world is very powerful. Yeah. It's very yeah. powerful. Very powerful. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and we also, I feel like we need to, to, to turn towards and reclaim is the unseen. Mm-hmm. There, there's there's yes so much is about the scene right the the concrete optics of, of reality and because god in the old terms was was deconstructed and delegitimized and nothing was there to replace the unseen the mm-hmm. the, the mystery like what we have as children when we look at the stars when we look at the caterpillar right <laughs> that natural awe in in being here that not natural wonder of what it means like god that's been like stolen and from from us by these fucking machines and we need to give we need to take that back we need we need to help ourselves and the youth to reconnect to to the the mystery the great mystery. The mystery it's a little hard to focus on the mystery when 
you've been conditioned to believe now that the device has all the answers. Yeah, the device becomes the god, and what people what people say and their 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 and, comments becomes mm-hmm. becomes what is written. internal internalized. And you're 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 either praised or damned by the by, <laughs> sentenced to death and exiled by these by by posts. Look what we've done. Look what we've done. No wonder the kids don't want to be here. Yeah, yeah. We should be ashamed of ourselves. I think that's true. So your work, Jeff, bringing a new spirituality, a grounded spirituality to the world is is more essential than ever. And, and creating models for rebraving and helping find our way within this paradigm of, of massive darkness is um it's so more than essential. I'll keep going for as long as I can. Your presence is and has always been um, a beautiful thing in my life. So thank you. Thanks, Jeff. So yeah, let's put out a let's put out a call to 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 get ideas, like you said, to get ideas on 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 mentorship. You know, that's one of the things we were we're feeling like we need mass scale mentorship programs, um, content that that can help parents and help helps uh, teachers and and kids to to reorient and find their place in the world craft their place in the world even more than just find it but to really craft it and um and maybe it's okay to let them know that we need them we need them because we on the theory that evolution sort of happens generationally you know, we can't quite see what they can see. We can't quite craft what they can craft. We are from where we come from. We try, but humans are habitual by nature to some extent. And we do try to continue growing and evolving those of us who wish to. But at the same time, there are sort of limits to it generationally, I think. And maybe it would be good to, instead of sort of ignoring them, or looking away from them to find our answers, to look towards them and let them know that we need them to help us find our way. I know it, you know, you can't do it when they're too young because they need to feel as though you know what you're doing. But at some point, Mm -hmm. I think you can start to sort of let them know that you kind of know what you're doing, but there's, you need some help too. I I know I would have, I would have loved that. That would have been such a nourishing water for me uh, i mean more so as in 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 my 20 somethings in my early 20s to to have an adult turn towards me in that way because i remember i was telling you also that you know back then we were saying why wouldn't they why don't they just listen to us why wouldn't they why won't the adults listen to us we can see like the youth can see and the adults are enmeshed and admired in their adaptive ways they can't get out of it and the youth can see it's like there is there's something there about that teaming up about that humbling and turning towards them and saying mm-hmm. yes we know you have a key that we don't have access to anymore and we have other keys that we do have access to let's team up yes we need you like right. the, Greta, the Greta Thunbergs of the world and 
mm-hmm. all of all of that inspired youth and inspired vision of where we are and what's possible. Yeah, rather than waiting to your sort of elderly to turn towards them for help, when it's very obvious that you you need it, let, let them know earlier in just the right way at just the right moments. And um, yeah, and team up and team down, grounding our spirituality on Mother Earth. Great, Gubby. Let's leave it there. Okay, Jeff. Okay. Stars. Hells come straight for my heart.